0: You're listening to Monocle's House View, first broadcast on the 17th of March 2020 on Monocle 24. This is Monocle's House View coming up today.
1: It's a nice attempt to show unity, but at the moment the ball is in the game of national governments more... in international cooperation.
0: In an age of isolationism, a global issue still requires a global response. My guests Kapil Komaredi and Tessa Shishkovitz will discuss that and the day's other news, including whether or not a wave of nationalist violence in India might be winding down and online exhibitions with everyone stuck at home is now the time for digital space to really come into its own. Plus,
2: Europe is closing down. It came as no surprise, but yesterday, Switzerland and the UK went into unprecedented lockdowns in a bid to cope with accelerating rates of coronavirus infection.
0: Monocle's editor Andrew Tuck on the importance of staying positive in a crisis. I'm Andrew Muller. Monocle's House View starts now. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Tessa Shishkovitz, UK correspondent for Profile, and Kapil Komaredi, the journalist and author of Malevolent Republic. Let's start with the obvious. The COVID-19 outbreak has seen many countries retreating behind increasingly closing borders. At the same time, however, there has probably not been a more pressing need for international cooperation in the post-war period. Yesterday, the leaders of the G7 nations, the US, the UK, Germany, France, Canada, Japan and Italy issued a statement which promised the marshalling of the full power of our governments. Um, Tessa, first of all, in general terms, what did you make of that statement? Is it any more or less than you might expect from the G7 at such a moment?
1: Well, it's nice that they say that, but also we all know that it's very difficult in times like this to find a common response because we're talking about national competencies of countries in tackling the virus at the moment. And uh, one of the main issues, of course, is if you think that we are talking about the seven advanced economies in the world, which includes Italy. And Italy is, in fact, on the brink of economic collapse and also of a collapse of its health system, which cannot cope with the outbreak of um, of the coronavirus. So, you know, it's it's a nice attempt to show unity. But uh, at the moment, uh, the ball is in the game of national governments more than in international cooperation, which would be good if we can get it up, of course. Yeah, But I don't see how it can happen easily
0: um kapil tessa has quite neatly outlined the contradiction there and the contradiction is kind of acknowledged by the statement which says while current challenges may require national emergency measures we remain committed to the stability of the global economy the obvious question being can we do both of those
3: things at once I think this needs to move beyond G7 and go to G20 and include as many countries as possible because the G7's ability now to control this, I mean, as you've seen, uh, France and Britain and Japan and the United States, they're all taking different measures. France is under complete lockdown. The UK is following its own protocols. Uh, now countries that are not part of the G7, India, um, These countries need to be brought in and an effective strategy needs to be mapped out. But at the moment, I don't see how effective the G7 can be uh, in containing this virus. I mean, Tessa, is it
0: arguable that perhaps there is an argument for, at least in the short term, an amount of isolationism? So far as it's possible to tell, the countries which have succeeded mostly in slowing COVID-19, and I'm thinking of Singapore and Taiwan, uh, are... The ones who've basically started early and clamped down tightly—is—is is there perhaps uh, good reasons why countries might or should do that in the short term?
1: Well, you know, we are all uh, uh, not experts on viruses, and we are just becoming experts uh, <laughs> every minute now. But um, as you say, uh, containment in very strong isolation seems to work. Uh, And that's why, you know, I'm Austrian. I'm under the influence of a lot of my Austrian friends calling me here in London, asking if the UK is crazy not to do that so far. We will see which of these um, attitudes will win. But coming back for one second to the G7 question, one thing that is really interesting is that what can happen in cooperation is, of course, not to ask or try to buy companies in Germany which are, uh, working on developing a vaccine, CureVac in Tübingen in particular, which Donald Trump just tried to buy and bring to Boston, where it already has a facility site. So these things, I mean, we can really appeal for the international community and all corporations to be strengthens in times like these and not to resort to kind of nationalist Gandoverism in trying to get an advantage for your own population.
0: Um, Kapil, as Tessa correctly notes there, none of us at this round table, which isn't really a round table, I should note that in in, in keeping with uh, (laughs) current suggestions and strictures, uh, you are both just voices in my head. Um, (laughs) But is is it possibly being over-optimistic at this early stage to think if there is going to be an upside of this whole thing, it might hasten an exit from the political stage of the enthusiastic amateurs. Could we about to be see, some, see something of a renaissance in the appreciation of expertise?
3: I think we are already witnessing the appreciation of expertise, but what the, the, the other side of this, Andrew, is that it is also bringing in to specific relief the importance of national governments, that, you know, global coordination is helpful only to an extent. But right now, the responses have to be national. If each country can keep a lid on its own problem, I think we can can contain this globally. But as you say, the, the expertise, there is appreciation for it, growing appreciation for it. But the contradiction between what is happening in Italy, for instance, between what is happening in the UK, where there's no lockdown, uh, again brings into you know people might be prompted to question the expertise because there are many people now saying you know why isn't the uk taking extraordinary measures to stop people from gathering um what why is it that we are witnessing scenes of horror on the streets of italy but there's nothing of the, of the kind, there's no preparation for that kind of an eventuality in the UK. What, why can't experts speak with one voice? But the reason they don't speak with one voice is because uh, circumstances are very different across countries. And I think national peculiarities ought to be taken into account. So more than a global response, this is a time, I think, for national responses. Tessa Shishkovitz and Kapil Komaredi
0: will have more from you both in just a moment. But first, here is Monocle's Daniel Bache with some of the other stories we're following
4: today. Thank you, Andrew. Democratic primaries have gone ahead in Arizona, Florida, and Illinois, in spite of concerns around coronavirus. Voters were blocked from the polls in Ohio, and at the same time, the governor of the state of Maryland announced a delay there, pushing the vote back from the 28th of April until early June. Centrist candidate Joe Biden continues to lead with 894 candidates to progressive Bernie Sanders, 743. You can get an update on this on The Globalist for Wednesday. Australian researchers say they have mapped the immune responses from one of the country's first coronavirus patients. The findings would help scientists understand why some patients recover while others develop more serious respiratory problems. It's thought to be an important step in developing a vaccine and a treatment. And the Monocle Minute reports on Tokyo's biannual Fashion Week, which would have been held this week. To compensate, its organizers will be streaming closed-door shows for some labels on the event's website until Saturday. One of the best shows of any Fashion Week in Tokyo is by hike, and the brand is showing its autumn-winter runway show live on its website. For more on this story, subscribe to our daily digest, monocle.com minute. Those are some of the headlines we're following. Now back to you, Andrew. Thanks, Daniel. This is Monocle's House View. I'm Andrew Muller here
0: with Tessa Shishkovitz and Kapil Komaredi. Well, let's look now at India. Like everywhere else, it is confronted by COVID-19. Though the confirmed numbers of cases are presently vanishingly small, India expects them to rise and is responding accordingly with measures which will affect every aspect of everyday life. Idle though it is to go fossicking for silver linings just yet, one aspect of recent everyday life that might hopefully be affected positively has been the wave of ugly Hindu nationalist protest, occasionally degenerating into outright anti-Muslim pogroms. Um, Kapil, you know India very well, obviously. Tessie, you were there quite recently, so I will start with you. Um, can these protests continue if nobody's allowed outside?
1: <laughs> First of all, so far India is not exactly in lockdown. When I was there, I was actually there as a tourist last week in Rajasthan, probably one of the last Uh, tourists that uh, the world will see now traveling just for leisure, Um, and I saw how little was done so far, and so I think uh, this will probably not be a reason for stopping the riots. And what was shocking to me is how far and how strong the support for President Modi was in these uh, average, middle-class circles of uh, people that I met a very little understanding, a lot of conspiracy theories about what the Muslim minority is actually doing there, uh, trying to, you know, incite these uh, riots themselves. It was quite shocking, I have to say. We can only hope that um, people uh, go in isolation and stop um, rioting on the streets. But the problem often is that if panic spreads, like uh, it can spread with a virus very easily, because you can't even see the virus that this panic will actually make people riot even more than less. So you need very responsible government policies to keep people from going insane. And um, a government that is actually inciting nationalist sentiments with laws as the one that they have um, uh, introduced last winter uh, is not exactly the right measure, I would think, to do that.
0: Do we yet get an understanding of of how uh, Narendra Modi proposes uh, to lead India through this?
1: Well, I think
3: this has come as something of a blessing for him uh, because the past several weeks have, uh, have resulted in very bad headlines for him. And now this is an opportunity for him to exhibit, to demonstrate his leadership. If he can keep this in check, he will come out looking very good. And the virus, there is one particular spot of protests in Delhi uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a ghetto called Shaheen Bagh. I use the word ghetto advisedly. Um, and the women who have massed there are refusing to vacate it, which I think uh, is very unwise. Uh, and here is, you know, but they have their, they have very perfect reasons not to want to leave because if they leave the protest site people will forget that there is this hideous law that they're protesting against so they don't want to leave but they will probably be compelled to leave and people will side with modi even people who were with the protesters will take modi's side because this is a public health crisis that being said i think across india i have been impressed the world health organization has said from the onset india has taken this very seriously it cancelled visas there was one group of italian tourists in rajasthan that spread this virus Uh, And as of now, there are 126, as of this morning, 126 confirmed cases. Uh, People are fleeing quarantines and there are the usual fake news uh, spreading across WhatsApp that if you drink ginger and uh, turmeric infusion, this will take care of uh, covid but, but uh, that is a serious problem. You know, the blight of fake news is going to cost lives. But India is also lucky because although there is no clinical proof that, you know, hot weather can contain this, that seems to be working to some extent. And the population of India is overwhelmingly young. You know, 65 percent of Indians are under the age of 35. So India looks like it is possibly going to weather this crisis. But as far as the protests are concerned, this is this is a blessing for Moody because they will now have to disperse.
0: Well, finally on today's news panel, we are in the very early stages of course of understanding how the COVID-19 outbreak will recalibrate the way we do things, whether that is in the short term or the longer term. It does seem a fair bet that we will become more reliant on technology and the digital sphere. We're certainly going to be grateful for the 21st century opportunity of having a universe of entertainment delivered directly into our pockets, but what else might lie ahead? Tessa, first of all, reports at events like Japan Fashion Week, rather than cancelling, are going to find ways to go online. There's uh, bands trying to make up for their lost summer touring by doing online concerts. Um, How do you feel about that? Would you attend, as it were, an online show by your favourite group?
1: Oh, I certainly would, because we are sitting in our living rooms now. So we will need lots of entertainment and it's nice to have them. The problem is that people who do uh, appear together in a group and um, and have concerts also in danger, of course, themselves uh, and the others who do so. So we will see how this develops. Things happen so quickly now. People get awareness so uh, fast that we don't know exactly how many of these online events or Fashion Week events can be actually done. I think... We have to think also how drastic this is for the creative industries everywhere that nobody goes to the theaters, for example, in the West End now. So I think people should, for example, A, not go to shows, but B, also not ask for refunds of their tickets, because as long as the government is not offering compensation and is not ordering a ban to go to theaters and for theaters to close down and for museums, all these uh, uh, institutions will go bankrupt without being able to claim compensation from insurances. So we are seeing, you know, a snowball effect of completely unseen um, uh, size, and we should be really, really... Careful in what we support and not. And I think going online as much as you can in order to bring news or shows and entertainment to people isolated at home, especially the elderly now, is of course very, very good. And it's a very, very good attempt to compensate people from not being able to socialize. Uh,
0: And Capil, what about you? Would you strap yourself in for an evening of uh, live Shakespeare in monologues delivered straight to your laptop?
3: (laughs) I'm already doing that. I'm listening to you on Um, Now, The next best thing. (laughs) The next best thing. Uh, Now, how people consume culture. In isolation, is something we can only speculate about. Something we can talk about. We 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 can read news about how people are, you know, consuming culture. But the full picture of it will emerge a year from now, two years from now, when people do studies of it. What is clear is that institutions, as Tessa mentioned, that are crucial uh, to keeping alive the culture uh, of many countries, have been ravaged, and it, the recovery will be a long time coming. My view as I've been thinking about this is that the economic cost of this must be borne by China to some extent because it is China's secrecy that has worsened this crisis. That's perhaps a controversial thing to say now, but I, I, you know, Uh, At universities across the West, we talk about reparations for uh, the, the ravages of imperialism. I think what has happened now, it is becoming abundantly clear that the secrecy of the Chinese Communist Party made this crisis much, much worse than it ought to have been, than it need have been. And at some stage, we ought to look at China and say, you know, you've got to pick up some of this tab Kapil Komarady and Tessa Shishkovitz,
0: thank you both very much. In a moment, we will be hearing from Monocle's editor, Andrew Tuck. You are listening to Monocle's View. Stay tuned.
2: For a celebration of all things print, tune in to The Stack. Every week on Monocle 24, featuring expert analysis, the view of magazine veterans, and a look at what's flying off newsstands around the world. The Stack goes beyond the headlines to reveal the inner workings of the print industry
3: our paper is incredibly expensive and it's imported from Italy. We decided the paper is too important. It's just too important that it looks good, that it's consistent. It creates the impression that we've been around for a very, very, very long time. Listen to The Stack
2: and hear Fernando Augusto Pacheco in conversation with our favourite editors and get the latest industry insights from our own editor-in-chief, Tyler Brulé. The Stack, Monocle 24's weekly print industry review and analysis show, airs every Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Make it part of your must listen lineup, live or on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is Monocle's House View. I'm Andrew Muller. Finally today, Monocle's editor Andrew Tuck reflects on the latest measures to contain coronavirus in the UK and Switzerland and the importance of staying positive through the
2: crisis. It came as no surprise, but yesterday, Switzerland and the UK went into unprecedented lockdowns in a bid to cope with accelerating rates of coronavirus infection. In the UK, people are to be encouraged to work from home with immediate effect and avoid non-essential social contact. Those aged over 70 are to take every step to isolate themselves. The measures will probably last for months. In Switzerland, troops are to be mobilised as the country goes into semi-lockdown. Essential services will stay open and people can go outside but should not congregate en masse. Europe is closing down. Monocle, headquartered in Zurich and London, will be reshaping our output to reflect this fast-changing world and also launching a series of new products to keep people informed about what's happening. Because in the coming days, we will all need to pull together. And we want to be a place that airs the needs of our readers and listeners as never before, to share all of our joint stories and strategies for getting through the coming weeks. After years covering everything from how cities are run to how to make a business a success, we have built up an extraordinary network of wise commentators and knowledgeable editors whose views we will be bringing to you. Let's stay safe and united to get through these tough times and emerge together as stronger people and communities.
0: That was Andrew Tuck. That is all for today's show. Monocle's House View was produced by Augustin Macellari and researched by Charlie German. Our studio managers were Christy Evans and Jack Jewers. Coming up at 2000, a brand new edition of Monocle on Design. Monocle's House View returns same time tomorrow, 1800 London. I'm Andrew Muller. Thanks for listening.